the Owlcast, the official podcast of ACS Athens. Listen to the exciting story of the American Community Schools of Athens. Check out what drives all the members of our international community of learners as we create the education of the future. Here's John Papadakis. Early childhood is a particularly significant period in the development of a child when it grows to become an emotionally and physically healthy individual. It's admittedly the gateway to the elementary school and its more formalized educational programs. It benefits children in unique ways as it provides development of skills, cognitive stimulation, and social integration. ACS Athens has invested heavily during the past several years on developing robust and meaningful programs for children three to five years old, with the latest being the redesign and reconstruction of an ideal environment for unstructured play, the new early childhood playground. We have with us today the principal of the elementary school, Sofia Moros, who has been the driving force behind the transformation of the elementary school of the past few years. In September, her role changes, which she explains herself in our conversation. With Sofia Moros today, we discuss the sights and sounds of an early childhood classroom, the critical elements for children three to seven years of age, identifying the critical skills needed by the students at several grade levels, transitioning from a stateside public school district to an international school abroad, teaching with a potential in mind, not just aptitude for tests, the value of reading on a graduate level degree, leading the growing development of the early childhood program as it opens the gate to the elementary school. Innovation, Adaptability and Agility, the Effects of COVID in the Elementary School and Celebrating the Opening of the Early Childhood Playground, Sparking the Imagination in the Unstructured Playtime. You have been an integral part of this effort since the beginning of your career at ACS Athens in 2009. Can you bring to mind those first years of you being in the early childhood program? What are the sights or sounds that have stayed vivid with you? Oh, what a wonderful question, John. Um, 2009, I remember starting my career at ACS Athens as a substitute in early childhood. And <laughs> I remember seeing laughter, hearing um, giggles and a lot of movement in the classroom. Um, I remember happiness. And I remember just complete joy in the classroom with my students. Um, very colorful. Lots of colors come to mind when I think about early childhood and my experience there and the the students, the support um, that the school provided um, as far as aids or, you know, having a team, uh, a strong team. Um, but it was, it was a really wonderful memory. So you are the new teacher. Mm -hmm. You're coming in and everybody focuses on your face. <laughs> Students and parents. True. So what was your expectation in your first days? I mean, what was your main priority? Personally, my, my main priority was uh, to do the best I can at my job and to make sure that I'm attentive and there for the students. And that's exactly ACS's belief, isn't it? We're student-centered. Mm -hmm. And I think um, matching that philosophy was really important and helped me click with the school and my environment. 
For the past six years, you have served as the principal of elementary school. Why do you think it is important to separate the early childhood program from the rest of the elementary school? Or is it separate? That's a great question, too. Um, it is separate, although it blends. So let's think about what makes it separate. Um, early childhood is those developmental years. And as you said in the introduction, in so many ways, you have the physical, you have the mental, you have um, the emotional part. And all these components are happening in growth for students so rapidly. And at the same time, you only have very few years. You have three, four, and five-year-olds to capture that movement and growth. And identifying those traits and what makes students um, their unique individual self and identifying that to help foster the growth that students need at that time is really critical for this age. And that's why we say understand the spectrum, understand the progression of early childhood, and understand how it blends into the academic years being first and second grade. So that's why we, it looks like it's blending together, but essentially early childhood is from ages three to seven. So you have this capacity of growth and full development, right? So we're talking so, about five full years. Yeah. But the ages three, four, and five are the main right. years to capture, you know, right. and, and foster those essential skills. Is it only me or does it actually uh, happen that, you know, kids grow earlier and earlier yes. and they are getting mature earlier and earlier? How does that affect your interaction, your, your scheduling of activities uh, in that age? Um, I guess you don't really find that impact until third grade when it starts to make that impact in the schedule. But as looking at the early childhood schedule, what you're looking at is really capturing all the bits that make a, an early childhood student able to, for example, build that dexterity that they need. And that's why we're projecting some of the future programs to look at the concentration on what does it mean to fully adapt a sensory program um, in the early childhood years? And what does it mean for students then to master, really master what it is that they need to okay. with their physical? How well did your initial work in the early childhood program prepare you for the position of the principal as you think back to those six years. What are the challenges of the elementary school that became more manageable just because you passed through the early childhood program? So starting as early childhood teacher at ACS, I remember learning a lot about what it was that the international setting concentrated on as far as those key skills that they're and, and identifying those key skills of what we need our students to be at different levels. As we said earlier, kids are maturing and growing faster now. And so that means that we have to be able to move with the times and we have to make sure that our program stays at state of the art or as abreast to the you know most recent best practices as possible. Knowing that ACS concentrates on each individual student's needs, having worked in the early childhood, I see that it wasn't just early childhood. I'm thinking of this as, you know, having experience throughout ACS Athens, but working primarily with the ages of three to seven, let's say, having that as my concentration mm -hmm. here, um, it opened up my eyes to saying, what is the pathway? What is the pathway that students need to be on from the time they start in the early childhood program to the time that they transition into the intermediate grades? And having a very clear picture of those standards, those progressions, those steps for students made it very clear for me to understand the curriculum outline, let's say, and then really seeing how that aligns with 
the leadership role. Because when you move from classroom to leadership in and running an elementary school, you really have to have a very solid understanding of those expectations, those growth standards, those next steps, um, everything from parent, from teacher and student knowledge and understanding the depth of what it means to be that child so everybody can work together and understand those steps. So the key is continuity in a sense. Absolutely. Absolutely. Very much like what the golden triangle is mm -hmm. about ACS Athens. Mm -hmm. Before ACS Athens, you were an educator in the U.S. You served at uh, Illinois, mm -hmm. Chicago, Illinois, one of the largest school districts in the U.S., which I can only assume is a much different experience from an international school overseas. How did you prepare yourself, mentally or otherwise, for this transition? Did you know what to expect? No, no. I think... Um there are definitely two different mindsets. And coming in from a state school, we tested a lot. We tested our students to the nth degree. And it was different in the sense that the day and structure and the program worked in a certain set way, but school program, the day, the, the hours were um, scheduled a certain way. Here at the international setting, we really focus on what it means to be a learner and not so much test to see what you can do because of this aptitude, but looking at your potential, looking at what your unique talent is, and let's identify where the challenges are so then we could support your growth. In the Looking at a state school, I see structure and rigidness, um, and I don't see the flexibility, the concentration, and the freedom onto what the learner needs for to make his best self. Why do you see this difference? I mean, is it the type of schools? Is it the type of students we're serving? I mean, wh why do you think there is this difference? I think it's pure philosophy, and I think it's the structure that the international setting allows um, for, by the nature of being an international school, allowing the school to identify what the strengths are of each student. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, your biographical note makes it abundantly clear that you have a passion for language, <laughs> reading, and literacy. Mm -hmm. Your master's degree is in reading. Mm -hmm. I'm curious, how did you decide to pursue this degree and what tools did you gain from it? Oh, thank you for asking that. that that's a good story as far as I'm concerned because I, love stories. I remember starting teaching my first year. I'm not going to tell you the year, but it was quite a long time ago. <laughs> um, and... I walked into my first classroom. I was teaching third grade and little boy Jason was in my class. I remember the name. Of course. I remember his face. I remember everything. And Jason um, sat next to me one day and I was trying to get him to do this activity, this morning activity. It was around uh, a grammar exercise. And Jason was stuck. Jason couldn't identify the sound. He couldn't even get past the first word. And then I realized I had just come, I was fresh out of college, right? And I should be able to help him. And I found myself stuck. I didn't know how to guide his first steps. At the time, the colleges weren't focusing on making reading teachers or math teachers, you know, specializing. We had some courses and methods, but we didn't concentrate. So I, I got up after school. I drove myself right back to, the, to my university and I signed up for a reading program. So a reading master's program. So I can learn simultaneously while Jason and a few others in my class were having these problems. So I can exercise these skills as how do I help students decode? How do I help students become readers? How can I do this in the best way that doesn't make them feel self-conscious about their learning, but at the same time, I'm learning the diagnostics around how to best support them. 
And this is very much what our program now does when we look at the ELA program in the elementary school. So you were, in a sense, doing action research. Yeah, I, I never thought about it that way, John. Maybe yeah, because you were studying yeah. and yeah. at the same time practicing yeah. what you were studying and you were seeing the effects. Yes, and I was reporting on it in my class. And you I were was, reporting on it. We called it a case study back then. <laughs> was it a successful experiment or not experiment? It Look was... for, I, now, now looking back for what I was able to do, um, we made gains, mm -hmm. but after I finished the program, I wish I, I wish I had a chance to be with Jason again so mm -hmm. I can kind of redo it just because I think I would have made I'm more. I'm pretty sure you can find him yeah, maybe now I with can. social media. I mean, you can <laughs> easily find him and ask him, That's a good question. how's your reading, by the way? <laughs> you are listening to The Owlcast, the official podcast of ACS Athens. This is your last year as the elementary school principal. Mm -hmm. uh, recently, we uh, found out that in September of 2022, you will assume a new role, the Director of Early Childhood Education and Development. Mm -hmm. What would the new role entail and how does it align with the overall goals of the elementary school? Um, so moving into early childhood director position, for, I'm, I'm first of all very excited about this transition. I think that change is good. Change is good no matter what what comes our way. And in this it's a way to keep you on your feet. Not only, yeah, it's refreshing, and you <laughs> yeah. know, it makes you think differently. And all this time, as um, as principal, I've been thinking, and my heart has been set on seeing some growth in early childhood and why that's important, why opening the gates to elementary school, to the early childhood program are so very important. Um, the, the role is going to be um, not only overseeing what the program or the development of programs is going to look like, but also supporting students and working with parents in a different way, building different kinds of partnerships and whatnot. Mm -hmm. So I'm very excited about those two things, the, the partnerships that we'll work with differently with parents, as well as the new programs that will be slowly unrolling throughout the year. I want to be in a meeting where you meet uh, the new principal and you're talking <laughs> with her or him mm -hmm. uh, about your goals, okay. because this is, I think, the best way to see the transition working. So um, let me reverse the question that I asked before. How well prepared for this new role do you feel through your experience as the principal? I, I feel pretty solid. I don't want to sound arrogant about it, but I, I do feel very solid. I think having this opportunity to be in leadership for the six for six years mm -hmm. um, not only allowed, and especially six years during a COVID year, right? Because we had to be adaptable. We had to be agile. We had to innovate. We had to create and at a rapid speed that we probably had never worked at before like that. Um, but definitely prepared because there's understanding curriculum, like I said before, understanding the management component, um, able to make decisions and rapid kind of speed, you know, because when, when you're in, you're walking down the hall, people are asking you questions nonstop. So being able to say and think clearly about what the next thing is and what, what that question might, you don't know what's coming at you from moment to moment. So you have to have this really whole picture of the entire school and what's happening and be ready for those kind of decision-making. So I feel like mm -hmm. it's going to be a, an opportune you know, transfer, transition. Well, I know that you're not the kind of principal that is on the desk all day. <laughs> you've been around, you've been in classrooms, you're talking to mm -hmm. teachers. 
Do you think that now it will be more or less immersive to the children's day-to-day activities? And what impact would you hope to have on the early childhood faculty? I think it's going to be more immersive. I think um, there'll be an opportunity to be a part of the classrooms in a different way. And I hope to support the faculty um, because already one of the design plans I'm, I'm considering right now um, is maybe even supporting them by having a small pullout and looking at and working with kids differently and being able to be there when something is needed or someone is needed in a different way. So being that extra eye is one thing, but then being a support is a different part. And uh, I hope that this is the last time I'm making this question, but <laughs> it has to do with the, with the COVID pandemic. Yeah. And you mentioned it very briefly be- before, but you know, all the lockdowns and the unavoidable paradigm shift to online teaching and learning, All this must have had a strong impact in the early ages that are in desperate need for social and academic interaction and integration as they try to gain and retain the most basic skills of learning. Through your work all these years, you've shown your aptitude um, in adapting to new technologies, technology-heavy classrooms. What are your thoughts? I mean, how were children affected by this new e-learning environment, the Zoom classroom, the multi-screen teacher? Is this a viable image for the future school? Wow. Um, You know, I don't think, look, e-learning is here to stay. And I believe that no matter what comes our way, this is an opportunity for us. And we learn that, you know, that now we have, we have the resources, but now we also have the means and the understanding. We, we proved that we were able to overcome this challenge as an elementary school and early childhood school. And we've managed to look at all the different research out there and become part of that research and work with our students to identify what works for them. We concentrated very much on our school needs, our school population, and knowing that and having that in the back of my mind, thinking what is working, what isn't working. To be honest, John, we see this day by day still, because when we came back, we saw that students didn't have that social component. And we needed a lot of time in our classrooms to kind of restructure what it means to be together again and physically together. We've had restrictions upon restrictions. And um, I'm really proud to be a part of this team because what we've shown is resilience as much as the students have, right? And the more comfortable and confident our teachers have been to show and and, and lead the way, our students are just there and ready to receive that information. So we have a strong team to work with and our students are 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 easy to work with. And, and I think that was one of the biggest achievements, um, especially in our school, the integration of technology in the early ages, because mm-hmm. It's a different thing to have an online classroom in middle school and high school. It's a totally different game mm-hmm. when we talk about the early ages. And um, I'm, I'm 100% with you on this, that the effort um, had some terrific results. Today we're here to celebrate the early childhood grand opening of the playground that you see behind me. It's been works uh, under the works for months, maybe a year, almost a year actually. Uh, last summer we got together with the administration team and we talked about the vision of what we see in front of us and what the needs are for early learners and, and a time of free unstructured play and what that looks like. So every piece of equipment, the grounds, the color schemes, the, the layout, the space between the, the sidewalk, the track and um, the the equipment. Playgrounds are more than what they appear to be because they help children create, uh, freely express their imaginations and let their ideas come to life. Between Behind us you'll see that there are two huts 
that were ordered in, uh, very intentionally because the huts are a space where students, whether they play alone or whether they play with a friend, they can crawl inside there and imagine a world outside that they think is, that they create of their own. So whether it could be a cold sun, a cold day in, in, the, in the polars or uh, a hot day somewhere in um, Africa somewhere, their imagination will come to life through, these, through this playground. My name is Kira. I'm in second grade. I think it's very nice because when I was in kindergarten, it didn't feel as safe as this. I like the colors because when I was in kindergarten, um, the colors weren't this bright and it didn't feel as bright and, and safe as this. I think that this is perfect. This is actually a really good playground. It has a lot of fun things that kids can do. Like, they have the merry-go-round. They can also do some parkour if they like to. They can have a lot of fun by climbing. And they can also play tag around or just roll in the grass. It's a really fun place here. This is a really cool place if, if your kids just want to, like, play around. That's why I think this is an awesome place. Like, if you want to, like, swing with a lot of people, you can just go to the bigger one and swing with three people. This is the most section where, like, they're mostly, like, fun activities that you can do, like climb and, like, slide down. You can also play a, a lot around here. There's a lot of fun things that you can do. That is really fun because you get to swing around and you just go around and around. It was really fun. The houses are also really fun. I would like to play like family because that would be nice. I would also try to play parkour with my friends. So then we can see whoever does the whole entire thing and, wh and whoever wins gets a bravo. We're ending this academic year with excitement as we celebrate the opening of a new playground space for the Early Childhood Program. Why such a celebration? I mean, what's so unique about the space and what impact can a playground have in the school experience of young children? The playground is really exciting because so much consideration about what the students need during the day has gone into the design and even even little details as far as like where where the areas used to flood in the front like let's make sure that that doesn't happen again but um we the playground is a place where our students spend the most time we believe that students in nature when they're outside in nature they're being creative and that's called free play free play needs to allow students to have time to think about nothing else except starting to imagine what the world can be like and creating that safe haven for them out there in the most beautiful, I don't know if you've seen it yet, John, but it is incredible. Um, and to celebrate that opening is one part of that creative play area that we're opening for the students, which we believe wholeheartedly that that area is the what's going to spark imagination. That area is going to be what's going to have our students have that unstructured free time to be around. Ms. Moros, thank you so much for being with us. Uh, I look forward to your new plans for next year, and I'm pretty sure we're going to have this discussion next year also. Likewise, I think so too. And and when you come to the ribbon cutting, make sure you look for Conscious Cub, okay? <laughs> I, I'm so looking forward to that. <laughs> I love the design. It's great. Thank you. Thank you. You are listening to The Owlcast, the official podcast of ACS Athens. Make sure you subscribe to The Owlcast on Google Podcasts, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. This has been a production of the ACS Athens Media Studio.